Morning, church. Thank you, Mikael, for doing such a great job hosting us today, and thank you to the band for leading us so beautifully. The problem with um, when I preach is that I enjoy the worship so much that I end up getting up here with a bit of a strained voice, so uh, I'll ask you to forgive me for that. Um, Good morning. If you haven't met me, uh, my name is Jono, and I am one of the pastors who serves as part of the staff here at Rooted Fellowship under One. Um, And I'd like to just add to Mikael's greetings and let you know that whatever the circumstances you're facing here this morning, wherever you find yourself today, whatever your relationship with Jesus, whatever that looks like, believer or not, all are welcome at Rooted Fellowship this morning. Welcome by and welcome to church. If it's okay with y'all, we're going to jump straight into our text this morning. Then I'm going to pray for us, and I'd ask that you pray for me. And after that, I'll spend some time unpacking the three verses that we'll be reflecting on for the rest of the day. Is that cool? We're good? Great. So Romans 8, verses 26 to 28. Romans 8, verses 26 to 28. I'm going to be reading from the Christian Standard Bible, uh, the CSB. And I'd invite you to either follow along with your Bible uh, or you can set your eyes towards the screen because we, we have it up there. Romans 8, verses 26 to 28. This is what Paul, writing to the Romans, says. Verses 26 to 28. It says, In the same way that the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Let's pray. Lord, we humbly come before you today in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Father God, I thank you for this church, Rooted Fellowship. Lord God, your church. I thank you for the opportunity this morning to preach the gospel, your good news. I'd ask, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit would equip me and enable me to clearly present your gospel and deliver your word in a timely way that is faithful and pleasing to you, O God. And in the same way, I plead that... that as a church, Lord God, we would be equipped and empowered by your Holy Spirit to listen, receive, and understand your word. I ask, Lord Jesus Christ, that in your constant faithfulness, you and your life-giving message would clearly come to us today as we examine this word. Despite my human failings as a preacher, Lord God, and in spite of our ability to be skeptical and easily distracted. Holy Spirit, we ask that your presence would be such a tangible gift to us here this morning and that during this time, Holy Spirit, you would strengthen and encourage all of us here at this church, Rooted Fellowship, as your global church, Lord God. And Lord, also we just bring before you in this moment the woman of our church, the woman on Spaces Camp. Lord, I pray that you would do something incredible there and that many, many women would have come to know you more. We humbly pray this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so a bit of contextual catch-up time. 
Um, so in the text we've just read here, Paul is writing to Christians in Rome. But how cool is this? I discovered this week in prepping for this message that one of the reasons that Paul writes to these Christian believers in Rome was to unify this church. Because see, this church is made up of Gentile Christians, Jewish Christians, and now he's trying to unify them, strengthen them before, before he eventually visits them. So he wants this letter to strengthen them before he visits them so that they could assist him with his desired future mission into Spain. And so if you want to see that, that's in chapter 15. That's where we see that. He writes to them to strengthen, unite, un, unite them. Before he visits them, he eventually didn't get there, um, but he wanted to visit them and then for them to support him as he would go on missions to Spain. Now, if you've been coming to church for a while, you'll, you'll, you'll know that at Root of Fellowship, we teach and preach community and family a lot. It's part of us. It's something that we really believe in. But church, I think this morning, if we are honest, or if I'm honest, as I start approaching this time of the year, I tend to check out mentally of all things community and church family related. I don't want to, but I tend to feel that way. I tend to switch it over to autopilot mode. I say things like, man, can you believe it's really the end of the year? And I find myself getting really anxious and angry as I walk around the stores and see that the Christmas decorations are up. I become a bit of a Grinch, to be honest with you. I find myself slipping into this never-ending rat race. I feel like I'm just treading water to get to 31 December. And deep down, I often think, man, it would just be great if I could just start up with church again in 2019. Forget city group, no more D groups, no more huddles. Serving, I've done 10 out of 12 months. I think I can go it on my own till then. But here at church, I'm here to tell us that we have still one-sixth of the year to go. Don't pull out your iPhones, I, I checked. It's one-sixth of the year to go, two months. And so imagine doing that in the middle of a soccer game. Well, not in the middle, but 75th minute. If I just was like, ah, I'm out. 75th, I'm going here. What about the end of a movie? Oh, the ma main climax is about to happen. Ah, uh, no, I'm out. What about at a concert? Before the best songs get played and before the encore. Let me just go. Let's just get out. And so church, it's my prayer that we would receive the Apostle Paul's words over the course of this series, much like the church in Rome did. You see, one of Paul's aims was to unify this church before they became a sending church. And so Root of Fellowship, as we seek to become a church-planting church, if we want to be a sending church, it is my prayer that we would also be strengthened, encouraged, and unified as we approach the end of 2018 and seek to become a church-planting church in 2019, 2020, and beyond. Now, as you sit, you may be thinking, Jono, you don't know the type of year that I've had. And you're right, I have no idea about the type of year that you had. I don't know what you're currently sitting in. And you're right. But I'd ask you to be patient with me because our text today offers some insight as to how we as a community of believers can remain hopeful in spite of all the suffering that's going on. So please, stick with me. As we've journeyed through this Romans 8 series over the past few weeks, we've seen that the book of Romans, in the book of Romans, Paul makes a very mature and developed, uh, if you will, a statement of faith. And in this chapter that we've been going through, he clearly and eloquently unpacks the gospel, the good news. The good news about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, which simply says that all those who put their faith 
and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ's perfect life, perfect death, resurrection, will not be condemned for eternity. Because through Jesus' work on the cross, God has set his believers free from eternal condemnation, a life separate from God. That's what he says. But then Paul goes on to say that although this is the best news that people could ever hear, even though we are set free from eternal condemnation, don't be thinking, Christians, that life is plain sailing from here on out. Nope. Christian believers need to know that they will suffer this side of heaven. We will suffer in this life. Because our Lord and Savior Jesus did. But church, I'm here to tell you this morning that we need to know that God is still on the throne. He is perfectly righteous and we can take courage and have hope in a future glory because God is good. He is merciful. His word can be trusted and by his grace he's forgiven us. And in fact, it was just last week that Reno took us through Paul's words in chapter 8, verses 16 to 25 and we were reminded once again that because of Christ's rescuing work on the cross, Christians have been adopted into God's family. We are adopted into God's family. Through Jesus, we are now blameless in God's sight. And therefore, we can remain hopeful and look toward Jesus' second return, the new heaven and new earth, no matter what our circumstances. Failed exams, Christians remain hopeful. Financial struggles, we are hopeful. Unemployment, hopeful. Divorce, we can be hopeful. Death, accidents, disease, we're hopeful. Church Christians can be hopeful because in the suffering, because suffering in, in life on earth will one day be no more. Because Jesus is coming back where he will reign eternally. And so this gives us hope. But I've also got even better news. Not even better news, but I've got additional news to that. We've just read in our passage today that we can also have hope in our present sufferings because of two things. Two things. There's two reasons why we can also have hope in our sufferings as we sit here. And these will be my main points for today. The first point is this, God himself, church, God's Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit actually helps us in our weaknesses as we suffer. And secondly, God uses our present sufferings for both his glory and our ultimate good. Christians can remain hopeful in our present sufferings because God himself, the Holy Spirit, actually helps us in our sufferings as we suffer, and God uses our present sufferings for both his glory and our ultimate good. And so I've titled my, my, my sermon this morning, The Great Gain in Our Pain. The Great Gain in Our Pain. I'm going to pull up verse 26. It says, um, this is what it says. Before I read it, it says, God's Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses as we suffer. God's Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses as we suffer. This is what it says. In the same way, okay, in the same way. So this is what Paul is saying. So in the same way that in the previous verses we saw that we can remain hopeful in our sufferings because we've been adopted into God's family and we know that Jesus is coming back to make all things new, in the very same way that we take hope from that, 
we can take hope from the fact that the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. In our weakness. Notice, church, that it does not say that the Spirit helps us out of our weakness. Or that the Spirit removes our weakness. No, it implies that a Christian's life is filled with weaknesses and suffering. But God, in His sovereign grace, helps us in our weaknesses. The God of Israel, Yahweh, our Father God, is the one who sits with us or abides with us and helps us in the fires. In Daniel 3 in the Old Testament, we have this account of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, children of God, followers of God. And they refused to, to bow down to foreign gods that Nebuchadnezzar, the king, is com- commanding them to bow down and worship. And they say, no, we won't. So Nebuchadnezzar gets so angry with them, and he says, I want you, he says to his servants, I want you to be, uh, um, light the furnace, a furnace that they used to throw people into. I want you to light this furnace seven times hotter than it would usually be lit. It was so hot that the guards that took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego down to the furnace were consumed and, and, and burnt, and they throw them in there. And as Nebuchadnezzar is looking into the fire, he sees Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and another person. You see, church, we serve a God who sits with us in the fire. And we can go into that. That's a sermon almost for another day. But coming back to today, how exactly, maybe you're thinking, how exactly does the Spirit of God help us in our human weakness and thus give us hope in the midst of our suffering? How is that happening? Is it kind of a lofty spiritual thing? How, how exactly does, does the Spirit help us in that moment? Well, we read on in that verse. It says, when we do not know what to pray for, as we should... In other words, when all we can do is cry out to God and groan and not logically solve our problem or eloquently express the right words, in that very moment, we can remain hopeful. Because the word says that in that moment, get this, the end of 26, the Spirit himself intercedes for us with or in our unspoken groanings. Now, if you're new to church, the word intercede intercede means that the Spirit gets involved in our matter and acts on behalf of us. Perhaps the message translation, which we're going to pull up uh, now, will will help us understand how the Spirit intercedes for us, or what exactly does Paul mean? It says, Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, in our suffering, in our weakness, God's Spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know what to pray, it doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit does our praying for us, making prayers out of our wordless sighs and our aching groans. Let's not miss this, church. How do we remain hopeful in our weakness and pain? We pray. We pray. Paul is essentially addressing a believer's prayer life. We don't need to pray fancy, correct, righteous, formulaic prayers. Church, we need to cry out in our agony to God our Father. We need to cry out. During this entire chapter, as we've been going through Romans 8, Paul has been speaking about the groans of the believers. And so he encourages us to groan and cry out. We don't need to say the right prayers. We don't need to follow along to perfect words on songs. We can groan and cry out. 
It's also important for us to note this morning that the original Greek word that Paul used in, in this verse, verse 26, the word that Paul uses for helps when he refers to the Holy Spirit helping us is sunanti lam bonamai. Sunanti lam bonamai. And this is the same word that Luke uses in the Gospel of Luke in verse 1040. When Martha wanted her sister Mary to stop sitting at Jesus' feet and give her a hand. So when he says the Spirit helps us, he's saying the Spirit gives us a hand. He comes right alongside us. Church, as believers in Christ, as we face our trials, the onus is on us to reach out to God, not using special prayers, but instead in our weakness we need to cry out and his Holy Spirit will come and give us a hand. The Spirit will help us. And in our human weakness, pray for us. Let's forget about social media and venting on Facebook. Pain and suffering? Oh, no, let me just quickly tweet this one. Let's forget about numbing the pain with alcohol, drugs, pornography, or food. Let's forget about planning, strategizing, trying to control this, plan A, B, C, D. Forget about seeming like you have it all together, church face, cool, let's go, all good. Forget about coming to city group, to D group, your huddle, and saying things like, ah, no praise for me, thanks, this week, I'm all good, all good. I'm all good. Are you really all good? November 2018, you good? Church, we need to cry out and groan in our weakness and pain. Why? Because Paul says that if we do this, if we cry out and groan in our sufferings, the Spirit will hear us, will help us, and pray for us. Now you may be thinking, okay, like, well, what's the Spirit going to pray that I can't pray? And can I even trust that God's going to hear the Spirit's prayer? I'm glad you asked. Let's check out verse 27. This is what it says. Verse 27, it says, And he who searches our hearts... So in other words, God the Father, because in Jeremiah 17, 10, the Lord, uh, the Lord God of Israel, or Yahweh, is described as the one who searches the hearts of man. So God the Father, he who searches our hearts, knows the mind of the Spirit. And why is that? Because remember, Father, Son, Holy Spirit are one. And so therefore, because he, the Spirit, intercedes for the saints, don't get bogged down in that word, it's a, it's another, it's a, it's a, it's a name for Christian believers, because he, the Spirit, intercedes for Christian believers according to the will of God. So what does that mean? Well, church, that means that we can be confident that our prayers are indeed heard. 1 John 5 verse 14 states that this is the confidence we have before him. This is the confidence that believers have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. And so the Spirit is coming over us and praying prayers perfectly in line with God's will. He will hear us. So in those moments as we face pain and our trials, as we cry out and groan in prayer, the Spirit comes alongside us and prays the perfect prayer because the Spirit prays prayers perfectly in line with the will of God. And so God will hear us. He will hear that prayer. And that gives us hope in our present suffering. Maybe an illustration will help. So, uh, my best friend has, uh, my best friend, um, he's married, has three children. And 
Um, three children, the one, the one child, the oldest, is Rebecca, she's seven, and his middle child, Daniel, is five, and his youngest child, Joshua, is one. Uh, you may have met Daniel and Rebecca, uh, they, they often come and stay with us, and we look out for them, and we, we babysit them, and they're a real joy in our lives. But uh, this is something that was very normal in the life of Daniel and Rebecca, and, and their interactions with us. Um, when, De- when Rebecca, who's now seven, was around about four or five, so she could speak, but Daniel was about two maybe a little bit younger, um, but around that period um, when he couldn't speak. So she could speak and he couldn't speak. And so they would come stay at our house and, and their mom, Lynn, would be like, okay, cool, there's Blanky, there's Bunny, there's Yogurt, and there's this. This is what you need to do to look after them. Cool, no problems. We got this sorted. We can do it. Kirsty now, we can handle it. And then like, it starts getting later, we're having a great time, but then all of a sudden Daniel starts to get a little bit edgy. And he starts, mm, he starts moaning and crying. Mm, and I'm like, okay, you, want, you obviously want this. Mm, mm. And Rebecca says, uh, no, he wants Blanky. Okay, cool. Give me Blanky. Ah, stops crying. He starts groaning out, but his older sister is able to stand in that place for him and say, no, he wants that. And I'm able to give him the blanket. Or what about sometimes when they're, maybe they're driving in the car, a little bit later now, driving in the car and... Uh, and Daniel does something that's, that's pretty naughty. Um, and then, he, then maybe his dad reprimands him, or maybe folks are told, no, no, don't speak to him. And he doesn't understand, doesn't understand, like, what, what's going on here? So he starts ah, groaning out, and then his old sister s- steps in and says, Daniel, just, just say sorry. Sorry. Okay, cool, all sorted. But perhaps the best illustration was uh, one Thursday night. So we used to go on Thursday nights, uh, every Thursday when I lived in Joburg, um, we go meet our family friends and we do a running time trial. So it's big in the running community, time trials, Thursday, test your times. Okay. So, so we go do time trial, afterwards we'd, um, the kids would be there, they'll be able to play on the jungle gyms at this park where we do time trial and we'll be able to enjoy some coke, maybe some light refreshing beverages of a fermented nature. Um, but we're having a good time, so it's, it's Chris, myself, Carl, Lynn, the parents of the kids, and uh, all of a sudden we hear something's not right. And we can hear that Daniel's, mm, he's groaning and he's in pain. Um, falling off a jungle gym. Sitting there, doesn't know what to do. And that's when his older sister can come alongside him, lift him up, and take him to the arms of his father, who will give him love, wrap his arms around him, and hear his prayer in that moment. Church, that's what the Spirit's doing for us as we sit and groan and cry out in our trials bringing us before God our Father. How gracious and merciful is God that he's even planned for us in our weak times of trial. And that brings me to my second point this morning. Second point, which is that God uses our present sufferings for both his glory and our ultimate good. God uses our present sufferings for both his glory and our ultimate good. We're going to come to verse 28, Romans 8, verse 28. And I, I'm going to handle some of it. Um, we're going to go, we're going to address this verse in the next two weeks. So Oni and Kenny will be, will be also preaching on this verse. So I'm going to kind of preach on some of it. They're going to be preaching on the rest of it. So if you're interested, and uh, we certainly pray that you are, um, I invite you to come back next week and the week after to hear Oni and Kenny preaching on these verses. And so we come to Romans 8, verse 28. One of the most popular verses in Scripture but it's also one of the most misunderstood verses. A verse that is so often taken out of context. 
And so this is what verse 28 says. Romans 8 to 28 says, We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Now, church, remember the context for this verse. The context is that believers or Christians, because you see, believers and Christians are those who love God and who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They are those who are called according to his purpose. So in the verse it says, those according to his purpose, we're talking about Christians here. It says that Christians, we've seen in the previous two verses, that Christians can remain hopeful in their weakness during times of pain and suffering this side of heaven because the work of the Holy Spirit comes and prays prayers for us perfectly in line with the will of God. And therefore we can know that God will hear these prayers and therefore he will work all things together for God's glory and for our ultimate good. He is good He's working things out for his glory and our ultimate good because of the previous two verses, because he comes and gives his spirit to intercede for us. It's super, super crucial to understand what this verse is not saying. So let's come at it from that angle. Church, this verse is not saying that bad things don't happen to Christian folks. Bad things do happen. Really bad things. In fact, I'm so certain that every believer in this room can testify to that. Bad things happen to Christians. This verse is not saying that bad things don't happen to Christians. This verse is also not saying that things that are bad are not actually bad. Or that bad things are actually good things in disguise. That's not what this verse is saying. That's not what Paul's saying. He's not saying, snap, you didn't get that promotion because there's an even bigger job coming. Not saying that. He's not saying that that accident or disease is actually making your body stronger. He's not saying that the person that left you, they left you because, you know what? Guess what? The soulmates, your soulmates moving in next door. You failed because you're going to ace it next year. Now, I've heard about those things happening, not all of them. Um, and God, in His sovereign wisdom, can do that. But hear me, church, that's not what Paul is saying here. That's not what he's saying. Paul is saying that because of the saving work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary, because of the fact that Jesus is coming back one day to reign eternally, because God is good and just, and because of his overwhelming love, and because of the work of the Holy Spirit, praying prayers over us perfectly in line with the will of God, we can therefore know that God will hear our prayers and he will work all things together for God's glory and our ultimate good. How gracious and merciful is God. Nothing can separate his children from his love. No sickness, no disease, no circumstance, not death even itself. John Piper uh, comments on this text, Romans 8, 26 to 28, and he says this. When you feel very weak because of suffering or decay or sickness or futility or persecution or failed plans or baffling decisions, Don't despair. 
as if God is angry with you or at your inability to know what to do or what to pray. Don't despair. Because at that very moment, you need to experience the wordless groanings of your heart as groanings for the glory of Christ. And we need to trust that the Spirit of God, He will intercede, He will come alongside, He will help in talking to God about the specifics. Trust Him. That because he is praying for you, your father will bring about decisions and circumstances that will magnify Christ in the best way, in the very midst of your ignorance and groaning. Now you may be thinking, man, that sounds good, a little intense, but what does it actually look like? I'm going to tell you a story. And I did get permission from this person to tell you the story about them. So many of you will know Carlo, Carlo van Onselen, friend of, friend of mine, son of this church, son of the house of the church, yeah, Lord. Heads up the production with Lesejo, along with Lesejo, they do a great job. Um, many of you will know him. And one thing that I learned very quickly about moving to Pretoria is that Carlo is your guy, okay? Carlo is your guy. He's the type of guy that as you're kind of doing stuff and serving in church around here, if you need like, you know there's a guy who has a Leatherman, like on his belt. You need something, you need to quickly like chop down something. You go and you say, Carlo, have you got a letter? Yeah. And he pulls out like every tool that you got. He's got, he's got plans, he's got tools for everything. Okay, that's him. You know him. He's the type of guy that you think, I mean, he's the one who has like no fear going up ladders here. I mean, he does, yeah. He's great. Car battery, Carlo. Something's broken, Carlo. That's, that's who you go to. He's your guy. When we did, some of you remember our Heritage Day, um, pizzas, um, we had to get the, the pizza braai from a place in Midrand. So who did we call? We called Carlo, and he went along, got it loaded up, came to on his place. Um, so it was on and myself. We even recruited OG because it's massively heavy, this thing. We're going to have to get it off like Carlo's um, Land Rover. I mean, he la- drives a Land Rover, so you also know that he's like prepared for any situation. So, but like, I remember like we got there, and he's like, dude, it's heavy. So like, I remember thinking like, okay, my back's not great, and OG and One, they both do CrossFit, so we're like, okay, how are we going to get the, you know, get the thing the straight back and everything? Carlo's like, in the back, you know, just like with his leather jacket on there, ah, getting out there, we're like holding 50 kgs each, he's like got the whole, you know, mother load there. Anyways, I'm digressing. He's your guy, he gets stuff done. And some of you may know that two weeks ago he was involved in an awful motorbike crash, um, He's, he's alive, he's in hospital. Um, we prayed for him two weeks ago, and God is doing some mighty work there. He's, he's already done miracles, he's continued to do miracles, and we give thanks to, to God for that. Um, but I went to go see him on Thursday. So I've been prepping for this message, I went to go see him on Thursday. Like I said, you remember, Carlo's our guy. He's got the plans, he can do it. And when I go to him and ask him advice, he's always got the right words. He knows what to pray, he knows what, what to do. As I walked into the ward on Thursday to go visit my friend, he didn't know I was there. But as I walked into that ward, as I walked into that ward, I heard groaning. Groanings from my friend. Suffering in pain. Writhing, reeling, I don't know what the word is. 
as he was lying on that hospital bed. It must have been two, three minutes before he even knew I was there. Groaning in pain. I spent some time with him, chatted to him a bit, told him what I was preaching on. And as I left that place and I chatted to him, one thing was clear. Carlo was close to the Lord and he testifies this. He says, I don't know what to pray. And as I lay waiting for an ambulance for an hour and 45 minutes, I didn't know what to pray then. But I'll tell you, John, God was so real to me in that moment. And he was right there with me. Saying, just trust me. Just trust me. Just trust me. And as I left, like I said, the glory of Christ was magnified and I was encouraged once again. So church, what does this text mean for us as believers here at Ruta Fellowship, November 2018? What does it mean? We need to stop running to our idols to numb our pain. Stop running to Facebook. Stop running to food, pornography. Stop running to the feel-good things that only last a moment. Stop running to things other than God. And then we need to come humbly and vulnerably in all of our weaknesses and groan and cry out to God our Father. And if we do that, we can trust that God, the Holy Spirit, will pray prayers over our lives for God's ultimate glory and therefore our ultimate good. And that God, in his mercy, wisdom and grace, will hear these prayers. And so church, that's, that's what we're going to do in a moment. The band's going to come up. And they're just going to lead us in a time. Crying out and groaning before God. So they're going to come up and play and sing. And they're going to provide a time for us to do that. And we're going to spend some time this morning doing exactly that. If you'd like to just stand and cry out, then I encourage you to do so. You're welcome. If you just need to take a moment while sitting in your chair, please feel free to do so. If you need to go outside, if you need to spend some time here on your knees, then please feel free to do so. It's just going to be a time where we groan and cry out in our faith to God, in our weakness and in our suffering. But if you sit here today and you're not a Christian, then I'd invite you as a non-believer to take stock and think about this text. We saw that for Christians, the Holy Spirit actually helps us in our weaknesses. For Christians, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses as we suffer. And that God uses Christians' present sufferings for both His glory and our ultimate good. Are you looking for a father who would do this? Are you searching for a savior to set you free? Are you longing for a helper in your weakness and suffering? Are you willing to enter into a relationship with Jesus that, that, that God would use for both his glory and your ultimate good? Then I'd invite you to reach out to him now and put your faith and trust in the saving grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord of heaven and earth, the King of Kings, who is coming back to make all things new. Let's pray. Lord, you have searched us. You've known us. Lord God, you know when we sit down, when we stand up. 
You understand our thoughts from far away. You observe our travels. You see us resting. You're aware of all our ways. Before a word is on our tongue, Lord God, you know all about it, Lord. You surround us. You placed your hands upon us. And this is beyond us, Lord God. It's beyond our comprehension, beyond our understanding. Lord, you are so massive, so eternal, so everlasting that we cannot go anywhere to escape you. You are everywhere, Lord God. And Lord God, but even though you are so big, you come down and you lead us, Lord God. You are eternally light, Lord God. There is no darkness in your presence. Even the darkness is not dark to you, Lord God. We praise you, Lord, that you created our inward parts. You knit us together in our mother's womb. And so, Lord, we praise you because, Lord, you have made us remarkably and wondrously in your image. You are wondrous, and we know this very well. Our bones were not hidden from you, Lord God, when we were made in the secret, when we were formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw us when we were formless. All of our days, Lord God, have been written in your book and planned before a single one of them even began. Lord God, how precious are your thoughts to us. How vast their sum is. If we counted them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. Lord God, you are always with us. And for that, we give you thanks, honor, and praise.